It just depends on, on what type of show it is. But my very first show I got thrown into was Kiss. <laughs> and it was a huge 50-something um, crew, big, big crew. Hello, and welcome to Start Talking, an art gallery of Windsor podcast, where we talk about everything and anything arts-related in the Windsor-Essex community. I'm Michaela, and I'm the Digital Initiatives Coordinator at the Art Gallery of Windsor. And hi, I'm Abby Lee, and I am the Audience Engagement Coordinator, uh, also at the Art Gallery of Windsor. My name is Michaela, and I'm here today with Elaine Chatwood from St. Clair College. She's in the Fashion Design Technician Program in the Department of Media, Art, and Design at St. Clair College. And she has a really stacked resume, actually. She's also a fashion designer. She's coordinated fashion shows. She's worked with a lot of different acts like KISS, Diana Ross, TLC, So You Think You Can Dance. So Elaine, please tell us how you got to have such a stacked resume. And please start from the beginning when you first realized that you wanted to enter this field. Give us a brief rundown of your education and how you kind of ventured from one path to another here within this field. Okay, going way back. You're going to find out how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to all the way back from whenever I was a kid, I loved fashion from a pretty early age. And in high school, I definitely knew by grade 10 that I was in between interior design, fashion design, floating around those, and even architecture too. So I've always loved the arts and I went to Sandwich Secondary High School and we had a great arts program, an amazing uh, teacher, Perry Thompson, and he really inspired me to be involved in the arts in some way. I I knew that I loved that area. I started making my own clothes in in grade 8, grade 9, and 10, and I was born in England and we moved over here when I was about 8 years old. And... I went back and forth to England visiting and I used to go to London quite a lot. I had an uncle there and I used to like see all these amazing fashions and stuff and they didn't have anything like that here. So I used to come back here and I would do my interpretation of those and start just start sewing and I didn't know what I was doing, no idea. So then that's kind of how I got into fashion and people started coming up to me and they're saying, where can I get this in high school and stuff like that. So early on, pretty well in high school, I, I really knew what I wanted to do. So I was pretty lucky. I was focused in that way. Then I saved up my money for a year. Um, I applied at Sheridan College at the time. That was the best fashion school in, in Canada. And I got accepted there. So I moved up to Oakville and I went to Sheridan for two years. And it was a great course, very, it was all design based though. So I didn't get any background with business or what to do with these skills, but it was a great design school. So whenever I graduated, I moved up to Toronto and I worked um, at a fabric design company. And while I was there, I kind of, um, I, I just wanted to get my foot in the door. When I graduated from Sheridan, there was like a big recession on. (laughs) And um, my industry had actually, a lot of businesses had moved to China. The whole garment district had a big shake shake up in the industry. They started to do a lot more offshore. 
and then there was a recession so it was hard to get a job so I just tried to get whatever job I could get my foot in the door and this was a fabric design company and they did all prints so I learned trend forecasting and things like that and I did anything there I just I answered phones I got coffee you know you do whatever you've got to do to start with and it was a great place to learn that part of the industry and I realized everything starts at the fabric with with fashion design the fabric is such an important base to start from. So learning that, that was a great, um, a great place to start. And while I was there, I started my business in a tiny little apartment. I lived with my boyfriend. And, and in Toronto, they always call these like, you know, two bedroom apartments. It's a bedroom, then a little tiny closet. So um, I started off just in this little closet kind of thing. And I started doing pop-up shops at my house. And it's just so funny because it's kind of all come full circle. So it was like a little trunk show I did um, in, my, in the apartment. And I would just invite people over and have a little cocktail party. And people would order from my collection. And my parents lived in Windsor still. So my mom said, bring that down here. So I had loads of friends and family down here. I would come down and do the same thing. And I kind of did like a little pop-up shop at my mom's house. And then I would then my aunt in Kitchener and my other uh, friend of the family in Hamilton. So I did this little circuit and I did this for maybe about a year or two. I got about 500 customers. So then at that point I was able to quit my job and I started my business full time. So I kind of, um, I worked like, you know, 80, 90 hour weeks for those couple of years, you know, getting that started. And I moved back home and then I also went to the self-employment assistance program and that was through St. Clair College actually. So then I enrolled in that, I got accepted into that and that, that let me set up my business for a year why you get unemployment insurance or something. I've got a lot of great programs sometimes, you know, with things like that. So I got to build up my business and I just worked in my, my parents took me back <laughs> and I transferred their whole basement into um, a work studio. So I just, all I did was I sewed and designed for the whole year and I, and I got enough stock and I started doing a wholesale collection. So I went around and I contacted all the small um, boutiques in the area, invited them to a wholesale show it was like a little mini kind of fashion week type show. They ordered right from there. I got about six, six orders, which was great. You know, amazing six different stores. And then I continued to do that for about a year. And then I, I was able to get a studio and I got a studio in Walkerville. And it was before Walkerville was really cool. <laughs> and um, so I was kind of, it was whenever Walkerville was a little bit cheaper too. I, I got a studio there. And it ended up having a storefront. So I had never thought I was going to have a store. So um, I had a storefront. So I decided just to set up a little selection. And then the retail ended up taking over. It actually was, it went really well. I went to business with my mom. So um, that was another thing that I was really lucky because she's always been an office administrative head person and bookkeeping background. 
And so that part was great to have. And she's also a great salesperson too. So she, she helped me out my whole, my whole family, my husband, everybody, like everybody in my family and friends <laughs> that I could, you know, they helped me out all the way through fashion shows, lugging stuff everywhere to different shows and doing trade shows, whatever I could do to get the brand and the name out there. I did. So then I ended up having the chatty collection on uh, my brand and I did some wholesaling, but I, I really focused on the retail for about 10 years. And then um, I still did a little bit of wholesaling in Ontario with a few other boutiques, private boutiques. And then um, I did that, ended up 20, 25 years passed away. <laughs> you know, like I did that for, for a good 20, I think it was, I had the store for 20, 20 years and I had my business for 25 years. And then St. Clair College approached me to help start a brand new program, fashion design. I think that was maybe seven years ago. They had no content or anything like that. So I had to build all the curriculum and quickly, huge learning curve, learning how to teach. <laughs> so huge respect for teachers now. And um, I had no idea what goes into that, you know. And the college has been great. They've trained me. And I can't imagine. I, whenever I think back at the learning curve that I have, um, the transferring over it's in, you know, mid-career, like in my, you know, mid-40s to doing something like that was a big change. Big, big change. But I love it. And it's been, it's been a great experience. And I get to kind of float in between both worlds. So, yeah. So I think that's kind of where I am. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, once you've acquired so much knowledge and expertise and experience yourself, you'd be eager to pass it on to the new generation. Right. So that sounds mm -hmm. really fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's great because I tell my students, you're going to make mistakes like all the time. And that's great because you learn from them. And, and I try to teach them to learn from my mistakes that I made too and the things that worked for me and things that didn't and everything's changing all the time. I mean, the amount of change that's just gone on this year with all the COVID, uh, you know, pandemic and everything in our industry is huge too. So always being you know, like, always learning. In terms of when you say like to your students, learn from my mistakes, are you willing to share any of those with us here just in case any aspiring <laughs> fashion designers are, are listening? Yeah, I think, uh, um, I mean, yeah, I've made, I've made different financial mistakes when I first started growing. I, I hired people and now like after 10 years in, I realized a different way. Like I was, I was hiring people as sewers and, and people and, and my business is very seasonal, like with production because I produce everything for two months and then I go into selling and then I go into a design mode for, so it kind of rotates, you know, so I'm not like you know, producing all the time. So going to a different model where I did piecework and I contracted out to a small, I, I did all the designing, pattern drafting, cutting, and then I would bundle it up and I gave it to a store and it was piecework. And then I get it back and I would do all the pressing, all the hemming, all the, the final packaging and things like that. So I was still a huge part of production, but I did um, like contract out the, the sewing, the main sewing part. Um, so just getting into that model, because that was more, um, it, that was a lot more efficient economically too. And just learning how to do production and things like that. So I, 
I think if I could have, um, when I graduated, like I said, I was in the middle of a recession when I graduated and, and the Toronto Garment District had kind of, a lot of it disappeared <laughs> to offshore. But I really wish that I would have worked for a larger or medium to larger company or, you know, somebody else in the design, in the design part, just to learn production and learn product development and learn how the process of things like that happen. So in hindsight, I maybe like to try and have worked for somebody else before maybe I started my business. I mean, I threw myself in there because I wanted to, I wanted to live in Windsor and I wanted to create my own job. So, you know, it's kind of like, you've got you've got both there so but if you can get any opportunity to get any like internship or anything that be so grateful of that and try and get as much as much experience as you can you know and uh, just soak it all in and then things like um, just the different pathways I took like I kind of uh, went into retail and I didn't mean to go into retail and I kind of in hindsight, I wish I would have just kept on with the with the wholesale and did pop-ups rather than having a full-time brick-and-mortar store because that took a lot of everybody that knows that has a, a store. It takes a lot of, of, of physical time to be there, and sometimes I felt like my time was more efficient just doing pop-ups, you know, and just having them maybe once or twice a month or something like that instead. Um, and that's kind of the model that I'm going to be going into because I'm, I'm starting a, a small collection and I'm going to be doing some pop-ups, but I'm not going to have a retail store. So just di like different things. And, and also, um, whenever I had my business and my retail store, realizing something's not working and stopping it sooner, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like you've hired your friends and you're like, nah, 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 and then you're not paying yourself, but you're paying your friends and stuff like that. So um, like if something's not working, change it. And, and don't be afraid to say this is not working and change to something, have a, have a different model and come up with something different. So yeah, but, uh, and don't hire friends. <laughs> I always say, well, I, I, I mean, I, I always say don't hire somebody you can't fire, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think along the way, I mean, I've worked with a lot of friends and they've been great, like, don't get me wrong, but, um, but also when it comes to it, business is business. So, um, kind of meshing those two worlds is sometimes is hard. And I had some great employees and, and I'm really good friends with them and they worked out really well. So just trying to keep those two worlds a little separate sometimes too. It's a little hard when you're the owner of a business. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I can imagine that would be quite a, a tempting trap to fall into. But it absolutely, for your own best interests and ultimately for theirs as well, I think that's pretty great yeah. advice. Yeah. That was a very thorough um, description <laughs> of, your, of your journey and the pitfalls. So I just wanted to like ask a supplemental question to working with larger acts, if there's any stories that goes with uh, doing that sort of thing, like um, big stage acts, like how did you get into that? I started off because I just had a connection. Actually, my husband is an audio engineer and he runs the audio in the Coliseum 
there was a connection. That's probably the connection that I had initially. But with my background, they needed a wardrobe person. And I said, sure, I'd love to do it. So it depends on the act. Um, every act's different. So sometimes they have a wardrobe crew that comes with the bigger acts and you assist them. Or they, they come with no wardrobe person and you're the, the wardrobe person working with them in the dressing room. So it just depends on, on what type of show it is. But my very first show I got thrown into was Kiss. <laughs> and it was a huge um, 50 something crew, big, big crew. I never done, I had never worked there before. So, um, and there was some funny things that happened and stuff like that, but it's like our students, you know, um, always learning. So um, it was a new field for me, but I, I loved it. I loved it. I just, I, I like to have deadlines and I like that that is very deadline orientated because I can't believe how great like Caesars is about come bringing acts in and setting up this huge stage in you know hours it's amazing how they transform stuff and everything is so set on schedule and things like that including like we had to get all the kiss armor from the night before out of all the road cases and clean all the fake blood off it and everything like that. And so it was a, a real fun one to have as my first crew to work with. And they were a really great crew. Um, I actually got offered a job <laughs> to go on the crew with them. So that was really nice too. They were really great. They were um, a British crew that was um, the wardrobe because the wardrobe people also helped them with the makeup and stuff like that too. But it was a great crew. Yeah, I loved it. And then I did Diana Ross too, which was a total privilege. And I was just honored to like touch these Bob Mackie gowns, you know, they're going to be in a museum someday, you know. Um, and I had to uh, repair some of her beading and her, uh, her sequins and things like that on there. So I was doing that all day with her personal assistant. And that was, that was like a great honor to do that. Um, and then I've worked like with Penn and Teller and you do all their, their wardrobe, you get everything ready. And sometimes the shows are, they're changing throughout the show. So, you know, you have to do things on stage, like just off of the wings, like just on, you can't see, we have a quick change booth. And that's like things like, so you think you can dance is like kind of like a, a really quick paced fashion show. They have, um, I think 10, 10 dancers and they all have anywhere from eight to 12 changes. So it's a lot of clothing. It's and it's quick, it's quick, it's quick. It's like really dark and you've got all these little zippers and, and things like that. So you're actually changing them. And then a lot of times you have two shows in one day. So you got to get everything back in order and get it all lined up again and, uh, and make sure if anything needs repaired, um, anything that dancers need. I mean, I've even stood on the side and helped them stretch and stuff like that, you know? So it's like, whatever. So um, I like that. I like change. I like doing things that are different all the time. And um, I like fast pace too. So if you like something that's kind of fast paced, it would be a great career for somebody to go on the road with these, with these acts. Once, you know, the world gets back to normal, you know, and everybody can start touring again and things like that. These types of jobs are great for somebody in their twenties or something that can travel and, and it's hard work though. The people, the things that I've seen, um, it is hard. They work hard whenever they're on the road, for sure. You don't get a whole lot of, um, you know, downtime sometimes. But the people that I've worked with and have been really good, I've learned so many little tricks off them about, you know, 
quick change booths, setting things up, being really efficient, and then just all these little industry tricks and things like that. It's a great experience. And I brought in um, about eight different um, students and graduates to come and help me work there too. So, and um, they've done, they've done a great job too. And the students just love it. And they get to see like, you know, um, if they want to get into this too, or going to costume design or things like that. Um, not only just being a stylist and being a wardrobe person on tour, you can also be the person designing the clothing for these tours. And everything's about functionality and things like they have to be able to move, like all these dancers, like seeing the clothes from So You Think You Can Dance, it's, they have to be functional on top of being beautiful. And you have to be able to get them on and off really quick and you have to be able to wash them somehow, you know. So there's a lot, of, a lot that goes into um, the thought behind those costumes. It's an interesting field. I, I love it. It sounds, yeah, super energetic, super hectic. And, you know, that that's the sort of thing, like, personally, I thrive off of that kind of energy when it's really frenetic and there's a lot of different things to do. Yeah, it, it, it is a great, and also, like, working with, I mean, we're so lucky to have, like, a place like Caesars in Windsor. Like, this is a world-renowned venue that then world-renowned acts come through there. So to have that and work with people like that and have that opportunity here is just, it, it's, it's great. Yeah. So, but then it is, it teaches you deadline. It teaches you, you've just got to go with the flow. If you're somebody that needs to have everything exact all the time and everything's going to go perfect, this isn't for you. Because <laughs> you know, you're just got to be able to adapt and, and if, troubleshoot and quickly just get it done you know so um if you like things like that definitely yeah thank you for for warning us ahead of time that we need to be adaptable yes <laughs> speaking actually of being adaptable um can you tell us a little bit more about like throughout your your various roles the different hats that you've had to wear so customer service versus marketing versus uh, the actual design part versus physically putting the clothing together uh, is it easy to switch gears like that or do you kind of have to like reframe yourself entirely before you can move from one thing to another? I think that's probably the biggest issue entrepreneurs have, especially small business people, be it whatever industry you're in, I think, uh, just spreading yourself too thin. And what I've learned, and this is a, a mistake too that I made in the beginning, I tried to do everything, right? And because you don't have the money to hire people and things like that. But what you can do is you can barter things and trade things and work and collaborate with other, like I've always collaborated with a lot of different arts people in Windsor. Windsor has been a great area for photographers, for artists, for musical acts, things like that. So I have collaborated a lot with that, but, um, I tried to do everything and it is hard. It's like, and you spread yourself too thin. So just switching from one to the other is something that unfortunately you have to do whenever you first start. But if you can find somebody that you can maybe barter your bookkeeping, say, and make them a couple of dresses. If you're good at making dresses, try and do that. <laughs> and then, you know, but um, understanding, like, uh, whenever I took the um, self-employment assistance program, part of that was you had to do, take a couple of business courses and things like that. And then I actually went to night school and took um, a couple of courses on how to start a business, how to write a business plan, because I had no background in any of that. 
I also took any sort of accounting type of courses just to learn basic bookkeeping. Um, you can do a lot of stuff online now, you know, things like that. But uh, I took a couple of marketing type of courses too, and things like that. So you definitely have to understand the business side. It doesn't mean that you have to do it all, but you have to have to um, kind of understand that. But going back and forth, a lot of times I love being in like my this setup that I had. I had my store in the front. I own, we owned the house, so I lived behind the house, and then we built a studio in the back. So I worked in the back. Um, I knocked down our old garage, and it became a studio. And uh, it uh, that's where I did almost all my all my uh, designing and things like that. So. Um, I loved being in my studio <laughs> and then I would get called through. I had a little buzzer and if we were busy in the store, my mom took care of the store along with, we had another um, couple of great um, part-time people too. And so they would take care of the store, but if they got busy or somebody needed me to go fit something or do something like that, I'd go through. Um, but I didn't work in the store that much, not as much as my mom did. So, but understanding the retail side though is a huge part of the industry. And I think a lot of designers don't get that opportunity to have your clothing, see it on somebody because the difference between um, the, the, the body uh, shape of a 20 year old to somebody that's had kids and is 45 or 50 or something is huge difference, you know, like, so just understanding the shapes of, and the needs of your customer and who your target market is and seeing the clothing on them was great. It was priceless in the store. So um, I got to see that and I got to go back into my studio and fix and tweak little, little changes and modifications to cater to my customers needs and just become a better designer but i going forward into my new venture that i'm doing um i'm going to be just focusing on what i do best and then like subcontracting stuff out you know so if you can if you can do that and just figure out what you're really good at and uh, concentrate on that and see if you can somehow subcontract other things out you know or barter or whatever you know to start off with but i think that would be my advice just that don't spread yourself too thin that's solid adv advice and like i know it's unavoidable sometimes to to spread yourself too thin but uh, yeah the sooner you can get yourself to that point where, where you're in your wheelhouse the better for sure Mm -hmm. um, and you've also obviously gotten yourself to the point where you can do um, philanthropic endeavors with, with your uh, practice. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, it, always, it started um, back whenever I had, I, I had Chatty and I was doing fashion shows. I always wanted to put an element in there to give back to the community somehow. So my fashion shows, I would never, if I just got everything paid for, like I got all the costs paid for, I was happy. I, I never expected to make money out of fashion shows. So I tried to do, um, I always brought in a charity. So I'd either give them part of the, the, the ticket sales or we'd do a silent auction, things like that. I worked with um, hospice. I've done uh, Windsor Regional Hospital, Hiatus House, a number of other charities too. And actually that moved on to Whenever I went to the college, um, the college is all about kind of community and, and involving that type of thing too. So it kind of transfer, transferred over really easily. 
So we work with like, we, we every year our program does some sort of um, uh, charity uh, aspect project. So we do, we've done things like with United Way, with pajama pants for men's shelter. Um, we've worked the last three years, we've worked with Windsor Regional Hospital and we just meet with them and see what they need. So one year they needed um, the MRI department, didn't have any little kids scrubs. So they wanted something whenever the little kids come in that kind of made them happier and you know, kind of less stressed out and things like that. So our students uh, created fabric. They, well, they took cotton fabric and then they printed all these little, um, they actually drew them and then they carved them out. And we just did like kind of like a wood print um, kind of wood block print on the uh, fabric and they did all these cute little designs for kids kids wear and then we made them into these little kind of kimono style um, pajama sets so they did little bottoms and tops and that was really cute so we, we did think we did that one year we did a hundred dresses for Africa so um, a nurse practitioner at the college she goes to Ghana every year and she approached us saying that the that these little kids have don't have, own one dress you know they, they don't own they only have like you know really basic clothing and they needed something with a little sleeve like on their shoulders to protect them from the sun so she gave me a couple of different uh, things we had to do then I brought that to the students we had a little design contest and they then they they created it and we said at the time we said oh we can do a hundred a hundred was a lot <laughs> So we, but we did, we created a hundred with the, with the instructors and the students and we donated them. That was great to see them. And we saw pictures of the kids in Africa wearing them and stuff. So a lot of things like that. And then this year, um, our students, even though we were all thrown into, you know, around March break, everybody um, transferred over to online and, and um, our program kind of shifted over really quick. All our, our, our students, um, mainly the second years last year, they all right away saying, you know, does the hospital need masks and all this stuff? So they made um, 640 masks right away. And we donated those to Windsor Regional Hospital because they were in need for PPE, just for, uh, not for the actual nurses and all that, but it was for, um, you know, people coming in. Yeah, so things like that have, have kind of transferred over. And I hope to kind of, um, strive on the students, you know, always try and give back and it's all win-win situation, you know, I mean during my fashion shows Yeah, I did that but I also got some great coverage and it worked well for both, you know um, Help raise money and awareness for a charity and then also it, it does raise awareness for my brand too, you know So it's great and I love to connect it with something in the community if I can Actually, in that same vein, I was going to ask how the pandemic has affected your practice and, and your position as a professor as well. So um, the masks, obviously, that's, that's excellent news, but there must have also been some, some drawbacks, too. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a big transition for everybody. Everybody went, just went online, which is hard for our program because we're hands-on. So the students did an amazing job kind of pivoting and, and moving over there to do that too. It is hard because we have garment construction, pattern drafting, draping, those types of things have to be in person. But we're trying to do our best and we're still in that, you know, like everybody else. So um, our students have been doing really well. We've been doing like, you know, some teams meetings and we have all online classes, lots of videos. So students have, have really stepped up too. 
to uh, to kind of adapt. And even um, I rewrote a couple of my my courses to kind of like one of the courses was talking about fashion presentations and things like that. Well, that's all changed now. So I made them do a project and research what everybody's doing around the world to to present all the different ideas and things like that for, for fashion. So and um, just changing and then um, also in some ways it's been the slowdown and everybody looking like fast fashion in our industry has just been a huge problem with sustainability with landfills um, like textiles is the second biggest problem in landfills um, so it's a great time to slow down and have a look at our industry because it's not working like that. That's not going to, that's not sustainable. The amount of clothing that people are buying is just too much and it's not quality clothing, a lot of it. So just trying to change everybody and educate them in the way that they need to buy quality, they need to buy sustainable fabrics and, and buy less. Um, things, you know, out of sustainable fabrics and things made locally or, or domestically are going to be a little more expensive. But if you buy less, people only generally wear 20% of their wardrobe. So you don't need all those clothes, you know. So just being more like I'm trying to educate our students and so they can understand this and then actually educate other people too about how important this is. And Prices are coming down on all the sustainable fabrics because people are using, I would love it to be the norm. Everything, you know, like having recycled plastic, polyester. Why are we not using that all the time? Having organic cotton only. I, I would love to see that be the norm. I don't want to say all fast fashion companies are bad because some of them are trying to address the pro problem. And so an example would be like Zara. If you go online, they do offer a lot of fabrics now that are, recycled or recycled polyesters or organic cottons and things like that. I'd like to see a lot more, but at least it's a start. And then there's companies that do some greenwashing and they're just trying to make you feel good about bringing a piece of clothing in that's a fast fashion piece. The problem with these fast fashion companies is the fabrics that they use, most of them are synthetic blends. And it's very hard to separate some of those and recycle them if they're blends. So them saying that they're recycling this clothing, um, there was a documentary and sometimes it's like, like 1% of the clothing is getting recycled. But they tend to make you feel like, oh, pop your thing in this box and get a $10 gift certificate to spend more, <laughs> you know? So um, that type of greenwashing too and kind of educating, you know, where does this end up? Understanding that, and I think that's a great thing for our industry. Stella McCartney does some really innovative things with uh, initiatives trying to change laws and things like that and tariffs and innovative fabrics. So I think everything starts off with the fabrics because that part of the industry is the big polluter. You should know the transparency of where your clothing's made. Some of these offshore countries that we're using the labor, the exploit, exploitation of labor um, is, is, is just horrible. So just knowing wh where it's made. And just because it's made um, offshore, there's lots of great companies that do make, that follow the rules. But whenever companies are not transparent on their websites and things like that and showing you 
where their things are made, I would question it. So I'm just kind of trying to teach our students to question. Because if a company is doing something really well, they'll want you to know about it. And I think hopefully in the next five to 10 years, we'll see a big shift because it can't go on the way that it's going on. Thank you so much for, for getting into that and addressing that because that can't go unaddressed at all. Um, mm -hmm. I think especially like this generation, this up and coming, just starting their careers generation cares um, a lot more about these kinds of issues than perhaps many of their predecessors did. So yeah, thank you for, for and, and for passing that knowledge on. As, as kind of um, a final question here, I just wanted to ask, do you have any sort of, um, and you've already given a lot, but do you have any more sort of career advice for people who are trying to kickstart a, a career either in, um, in fashion or in a path that isn't as traditionally secure and maybe they're kind of receiving opposition from their family or friends, you know, trying to push them in a safer direction, but they really want to follow their passion and what they're good at. Do you have any sort of um, advice? I know you had a very good support net for yourself, but do, might you have any advice for um, people who are a little bit more alone in their endeavors, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very lucky to have support and I come from a creative kind of artistic family, but we've also all like I come from a family that has um, heart. I, I have a really good work ethic um, and I was raised kind of around entrepreneurs and different you know, businesses and things like that. So I've never been afraid to work hard and I think Number one, you, you've got to have that in the industry. But if you're trying to get into um, fashion, my recommendation too is you could go into a program, something like St. Clair College program or, um, you know, any of the, there's a, there's a lot of programs that are really good. Like our program, what I kind of pushed when I started it, I didn't want it just to be a design program because whenever I got out of college, that's what I got. I, I knew the design side but I didn't know how to do a costing. I didn't know anything about product development, about how you actually take your design and then and it ends up, how do you sell it and how the whole process from production and um, supply chain and all that stuff. That is so important. And so we teach our students that. So depending on what area you want to go into, because there's so many, I have students that come into our program and it's just so funny. The first week of school, I talk to them and I'm like going, oh, you know, I kind of want to know their background a little bit and what brought them to the program and what type of area do they want to go into in our industry. And 90%, 90, 95% say, oh, I want to be a designer because a lot of people don't know what different jobs are in their industry. Designing is probably like 5% if that in, in my industry. And there's great jobs in product development, a technical designer, pattern drafter. Like technical designers and pattern drafters a lot of times get paid more than a designer. It just depends on those are great jobs to have. And if you're somebody that's really into drafting and, and doing like things really exact, you would be great in that. But if you're somebody that's more into design part, maybe you want to go into the draping and designing part. So there's, there's production, there's supply chain, there's costume design, there's sewing production, there's being just understanding the whole production process is, is 
something that if you can get into any experience with that, hands-on experience with that, that's a big eye-opener. Like I take our students up every year to, um, we go on a big field trip to Toronto for two or three days. And like we went to, you know, the Canada Goose Factory and just for them to see the process of 60 something people touch this jacket throughout the process and understanding um, things that they do and how that they do in our program, how they transfer into that. Understanding trend forecasting um, and then even going into the area where you're a rep for an you're an agent for a designer. You have to know all about fabrics. You have to know if you're going to be a buyer um, for a retail store. You have to know all about fit, fabric, style, design, quality. There's a quality assurance jobs, fabric science, like where you're, where you're testing all the fabrics. So um, even if you want to go into, I, I recommend students too, while you're in college or something or just after, retail jobs are great because you learn a lot. Um, and you learn a lot on the shop floor and working with customers in clothing too that way. So, um, yeah, there's just so many areas. Um, I love our industry. That's what I like about it. Um, there is so many different, different facets to it. So you can go into all those different types of jobs. So, but you have to get in our industry, you do need to have the skills. So you have to, if you are going to go in, you've got to learn pattern drafting. You've got to learn technical design, digital. We do digital pattern drafting too. So these are all expectations that whenever you get an entry-level job, they expect you to have um, a two-year um, diploma or more. You've got to have those, those skills, definitely. But I would highly recommend, especially if you're going to go into business and start a brand, get some sort of business background too and combine them. I have some students that take that, that came over from the business program after they graduated and uh, they, they did our design program and I go, that's because they wanted to start a business. And I said, this is excellent. You know, this is a great pathway to take. Well, thank you so much for all of your advice, all of your knowledge and insight and for, for revealing about your background and everything so that we can kind of get uh, a clearer idea of maybe how we'd like to go forward ourselves with our own careers, maybe in a similar way. Um, I'm saying our, even though I'm not in fashion design myself, but I'm speaking kind of on behalf of the populace tuning in. So thank you so much for your time, Elaine. I really appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> Good luck with everything. Thank you so much for listening to Start Talking. We hope that you keep talking about all of the things that we've spoken about today and all of the art in our local Windsor-Essex community, even long after our podcast episode is over. If you're interested in finding out more about the Art Gallery of Windsor, you can find us on our website at www.agw.ca or you can follow us on social media at AGW401. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe and be well.